As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents... Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. I do think he has the support of his teammates. Why would you not be rooting for him to succeed? And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. I don't mean to psychoanalyze this stuff, but this is what we do in Chicago. This is what we do with our quarterbacks. And this is the biggest story in town. Here they are, the Adams. Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in Hogue and Johns with you. What day is it, Johns? Tuesday? I'm losing track. The draft will do that. Uh, yeah. I, I want to say covering Justin Fields might do that too. We got another Justin Fields podcast right here. Yeah, the draft was almost two weeks ago already. But yet it still feels like I'm recovering. What's up with that? It's all the work you're putting into Justin Fields. That's true. I have been watching a lot. I watched that whole uh, QB1 series that he was on. You seen any of that? The high school football show back no, in 2017? I, no, I, I have seen that. Um, I watched some of that Kurt Warner series recently. He yep. did that on YouTube. I feel like everybody's got a YouTube thing. I know we, this is you're watching us on YouTube, um, but everybody's got YouTube stuff these days. Yeah, well, that's a good point. We do too. So the YouTube channel, Hogan John's YouTube channel. If you haven't checked that out yet, please go find it. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, hit the notifications if you are watching right now. Those are right in front of you. So I appreciate that. And uh, we got a lot of good stuff for you today as we continue this Justin Field. Now, we will transi- transition into some other topics. We got the schedule coming out this week. So we'll have a podcast for that rookie mini camp is this weekend at House Hall. So it'll be nice to be back out on the practice field. We'll actually get to see Justin Fields in person. We'll come back and recap that after the weekend. So we, uh, we'll we we'll move on here a little bit, but we did want to get you Robert Mays because Robert Mays, uh, obviously a huge Bears fan, been on this podcast before, the host of the football show, the Athletics Football Show, which you should definitely be subscribed to. It's a great podcast. That's also where you get Nate Tice, uh, who's been on this podcast in, in uh, a lot lately, and we appreciate him as well. But, um, Robert, 
we had to give him a forum, right, to to talk about this. Not that he hasn't done that already on his podcast, but uh, you know, this is his his opportunity to vent sometimes, and uh, and so we like having Robert Mays on to talk about the Bears here on Hogan Johns. And should we jump right in? Let's do it. Might as might as well. Uh, here he is, Robert Mays from the Athletics Football Show. Well, it's time to bring in. I guess I'd call him the the giddy Robert Mays. I mean, we're used to giving you this outlet of uh, what is usually your your uh, fears and uh, anger towards the therapy. Chicago Bears. I we call it therapy. It is. It's Bears it, therapy. That's therapy. exactly what it is. It feels different this time, though. It does feel a little bit different. I- I've gone through a cycle of emotions just because when you have something like Justin Fields, where it's so promising, my fatalistic mind automatically goes to, how is this going to get screwed up? And how can we just make sure that the franchise does everything it can to bolster his success. And then you start thinking about, well, is this franchise set up to do that? And then you have doubts about that. But after I've sorted through all of it, I wrote about it last week. And I, that was kind of, again, therapy as in the form of work. And after I got through that, I think the ultimate conclusion is that even if this doesn't go 100% right, even if there are bumps along the road, this version of the timeline is so much better. If you can have the quarterback and the rest of the kind of outside ancillary factors are what you start to worry about, man, is that a welcome change of pace? Because never in my life has the order of operations gone that direction. It's always been, all right, everything else is right. What are they going to do at quarterback? And if somehow that can flip, you see the impact of it. I mean, you see that imperfect rosters with great quarterbacks are still viable. I mean, think about what Deshaun Watson did with the 2019 Texans, a team that right now, a year and a half later, is in disarray. I mean, it's an unplayable NFL team, and they were in the playoffs a couple years ago because of how good he was. And Mahomes is, I don't want to say that Justin Fields is going to be Patrick Mahomes, but even looking at some of the moves the Chiefs have made, there are a lot of missteps in the last couple years that they've made personnel-wise, and you just don't even notice them. Like if their yeah. offensive line hadn't been completely decimated in the Super Bowl, they could have played in that game and maybe won that game. So the quarterback solves so many problems. And I think that is where I'm at right now, is if this is the right guy, you can figure everything else out later. The optimism, Adam. You feel yeah. the optimism here? <laughs> oh, yeah, we <laughs> feel it. We've been, yes, yes. we've been feeling it here yes, for uh, yes. a couple weeks now. Um, so, Robert, let's start with this again. Here's Robert Mays from the, from the Athletic. Um how many times have you watched your own reaction video? Like, have oh, you so watched- many times. <laughs> Part of the reason I've watched it so many times is that it's been posted into my timeline again so many times. I mean, I think the night of, I didn't probably, probably didn't watch it the night of because it wasn't available. But then Ben Baldwin tweeted just the YouTube clip of it into my timeline, and then I retweeted that. And then uh, Jerome Chang, who's now with us doing social stuff, he made it just a clip of it that was hilarious because he zoomed in and put music to it and everything else. So I watched that a bunch of times. It, it's hard not to. I mean, that's a moment I'll never forget, no matter how this goes. I, and the Mitchell Trubisky thing, I wasn't live, but I remember what I my reaction to it. I was at the Ringer. They made me post a video. My cable wasn't working in my Chicago apartment, so I had to watch it in the community room on like the second floor and the video I posted looked like a hostage video like it was a proof of life situation this was completely different with the tone of it so yeah I mean it's hard not to get roped into watching it and to re-experiencing that just because it was a singular moment like it was maybe the defining moment 
the craziest moment of the entire draft. And it happened to involve the team that I pay the most attention to and I'm emotionally invested in making a potentially franchise altering decision to go get a quarterback. So it was cool. I mean, I was very happy that we were live then and didn't wait till the 15th pick. I can tell you guys that right now. Yeah. And, and you're in Chicago. You got, yes. Nate, you got Nate Tice with you. It just seemed. <laughs> Let's see if I have this queued up. I'm not sure if I have, have the setup right. This was from uh, 2017. The Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, wow. That was that was live on WGN radio. <laughs> and it was that was the shock of the moment then. Uh, and it, it was probably similar for you this time, but it was a little bit more. I think it was probably a little bit more obvious once the trade was made. Because I, I remember in 2017, the, the trade gets made and there's mostly confusion. Absolutely. It was like, why do they need to move up one spot? Whereas this time, as soon as we got to those um, Panthers, Broncos picks, right, at 8-9, you, you're starting to feel from the Bears perspective, you're going, all right, this this is making sense. to If we see the Bears all of a sudden jump up here, this would make sense to jump up. And then once you see the trade, you're going... Oh, it's definitely for a quarterback. And I guess the only question at all is, is this Justin Fields or Mac Jones? And I think we all pretty much assumed it was Justin Fields. That was my process as well. And even that week going into the draft, I remember I was on the radio, I think I want to say in Vegas, and there was a prop that they were talking about with Justin Fields over under or something that related to quarterbacks in that range. And I I think I said verbatim, if we get past the Panthers-Broncos stretch and it's the 10th or 11th pick, they should trade a future first round pick a hundred out of a hundred times to go get Justin Fields if he's there. I mean, that's how much I believed in him as a prospect and that outlet for this team. And I think that's one of the important things. Even if it wasn't the Bears, even if it was just Team X that needed a quarterback in that range, let's say, for example, let's say Carson Wentz doesn't go to Indy. They're riding with some stopgap option right now and they needed a long term quarterback. I would have said the same thing about them that you would move up those 10 spots to go get Justin Fields, and that would be sound process. But the fact that it was the Bears, and they had no way out of this. I mean, that was really my frustration with all of this a couple years ago, is that it seemed like there was no exit strategy from this middle ground and this treadmill that they found themselves in. And this was an exit strategy. You would pay that extra first-round pick every single time to find that off-ramp. And that seems to be exactly what they did. So let me let me ask you this, Robert, because and we talked about this a little bit last week. What you're talking about is 100% correct, and yet it still sort of feels like a ton of luck was involved. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and not just on draft night. Like we're talking about this entire offseason. The Bears exhausted themselves looking at every option. I mean, they they looked at Matthew Stafford and realized they really couldn't compete in that trade market. They 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 did their homework on Carson Wentz, decided that ultimately there were too many red flags to 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 make an offer. That you know there was they looked at Derek Carr, uh, which was the one. Obviously, Russell Wilson was the big one where they were really like, "We're all in. If you guys make the deal, we're going to do it." They decide not to. Then you have all the things that go on on draft night where the board just falls their way. So is this all too good to be true? Because it seems like it seems like if any of those things go a different direction, the Bears don't have Justin Fields. And yet, in hindsight, as you look back on it now, if you could have gone back to like the end of the season, is this the best case scenario? Yes. I truly believe it's the best case scenario because I just think that it is the clearest path to 
quarterback viability for the long term. Russell Wilson is probably in that same category, but I just never believed that was real in the sense that is there a real chance that they're going to deal him this offseason? When you look at the timeline that the Seahawks were on, some of the moves that they'd made, some of the financial aspects of it, I just never believed that was a viable choice. All of the other moves, this is definitely the best one. I just never, ever in a million years thought they could go from 20 to getting a prospect like Justin Fields. When I was, And I understand the concerns about Justin Fields, and I understand how he plays a little methodical, and he stands in the pocket, and he holds on to the ball a little bit too long, things like that. I totally understand why he might have fallen compared to some of the other guys in the draft. That makes sense to me. But I still believe that when you go back and look at the body of work, what he was as a prospect, the physical talent, what he's done on huge stages, that to me, when I watched that Clemson game, I was watching it through the lens of a Jets fan where I'm sitting there watching Justin Fields play like that and going over the options in my head at two being like, man, it'd be hard to not take this guy over somebody like Zach Wilson. Never in my wildest, craziest dreams did I assume he'd be there at 11 and all it would take for the Bears to go get him was an extra first round pick. So yeah, this is absolutely the best case scenario because it's a scenario I just never could have envisioned even being in the realm of possibility a couple months ago. You see, Adam and, and Robert, I would almost argue that they were due for some luck, right? <laughs> they, <laughs> Probably. Like, like the football gods just had to eventually like show pity <laughs> with, with all the, the swings that this franchise has taken. Going back to Rick Meyer, Kate McNaught, like they've tried and tried and tried again at getting this quarterback position, right? And who knows how Justin Fields is going to play out, but... The football gods, and this may sound poetic or whatever, but like they had to give the the Bears a break here eventually. One would imagine, like they're just due. With me, with Fields, Robert, like everything you just said, there's like less projection. I keep trying to compare it to the Trubisky situation. There was just so much projection about what he could be at the NFL level. Like you watch Justin Fields light up Clemson for six touchdowns, take a jarring hit over the middle like that, and come back and lead his team, like. There's less projection. You've seen him in big games. You've seen him complete big, long touchdown passes and key moments against great competition. There's less projection. Like, I don't know how you feel about it. Like, that's how I feel differently. That's why I feel differently as opposed to the Srebisky experience with Justin Fields. I totally agree. And I think that the Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson kind of stretch of things really made me sit back and say, if guys are just good in college, if they've always been the best player, shouldn't we believe in that? Shouldn't that have some impact on the way that we look at these players? If you have a coaching staff, and that's a whole other question that we can get into, but if you have a coaching staff that's even almost on a level where they can put those guys in positions to succeed and filter in some of their college concepts and make them comfortable, shouldn't we be able to see something similar to the guy that we saw in college? And obviously there are gaps. Obviously there are going to be chasms between college production and NFL production. Like Tim Tebow wasn't a good NFL quarterback, even though he was very good in college for a long time. But I still think that with a guy like Fields, when you've seen him do it over 20-something games on the biggest stage possible, I'm just going to bet on that. I'm going to bet on the guy who's always been the best player. Even somebody like Zach Wilson, who in one year took that big leap against kind of questionable competition. I would just rather have Justin Fields. And I would I said that before the draft. This isn't Bears-tinted hindsight. I always thought Justin Fields, to me, was the second most appealing quarterback prospect of all of these guys. And again, that's why the Bears somehow landing him is just still a little bit surreal to me. 
Robert hosts the uh, athletic football show, uh, which you should be listening to to get more of the full league perspective. And and of course, Nate Tice uh, does some of those podcasts with you, Nate. You know, Nate kind of opened up my eyes a little bit. Um, you know, despite I keep looking back on it because, like, obviously, we all saw Justin Fields play so many times uh, being at Ohio State, but it was still interesting a couple weeks before the draft hearing him so adamantly talk about like this this idea that he can't process is just wrong. Um, like, are there are there times where he's a little bit slow? Sure, but like he does go one, two, three. He can read a full field, and yet that's kind of like the biggest knock on him. I was watching um, Kurt Warner did a breakdown, a two part breakdown on Justin Fields. Uh, I was watching on YouTube yesterday, and like one of the things that really stood out to me watching this. So he does like one video, which is a lot of the good things, and then he follows up with a second video, which is some of the bad things. But the thing about the bad things, like the entire reel of bad things. Some of them ended up being incomplete passes, but like a lot of times it was like, oh, he missed this shot downfield. He missed this read, but he still got to his check down. Like here's a check down for 24 yards. Like that's on the bad reel. Here's a check down for 24 <laughs> yards. Or you might remember in the Clemson game, he could have had even another touchdown. He missed that deep shot down the, the far sideline, but that was also on the bad reel because he, um, you know, obviously airmailed the throw, but he still went one, two, three on that throw. Like the process was still right. He just missed the throw. And so I was going through this bad tape, this bad tape, and it was like, wow, this is actually still pretty encouraging for how it'll translate to the NFL. To me, it's some of the sack stuff and him holding out of the ball in the pocket. He took some decently bad sacks. There were some plays where he wasn't recognized blitzes and recognizing blitzes, things like that. But his ability to sidestep guys in the pocket, even if you're going to be I don't know. Processing is such a strange word when it comes to quarterbacks. And I think going from read to read and going through your progressions is one aspect of it. But processing what's happening in front of you quickly, I think, is another thing. And there are times where he's a little bit slow doing that. But there are other times where he's making free rushers miss in the pocket. I think it's a mixed bag in a way that I'd be encouraged with the total breadth of watching him have to sort through those situations. So, yeah, man, I I mean, the idea that he maybe does things a little bit slow sometimes because he's hunting for big plays downfield. And the idea that that's his issue is that he's sometimes too aggressive and trying to push the ball a little bit too much and really trying to make as many big plays as possible whenever they're on the table. That's okay with me. Like if with some of these guys, oftentimes if you have all the physical traits, you're big, you're strong, you have a good arm. It's a scattershot thing with the accuracy. Josh Allen, we didn't know where the ball was going all the time. I think Trey Lance, there's similar concerns about him sometimes. His accuracy leaves a little bit to be desired, even though he's a great prospect. Justin Fields checks the accuracy box. So if your ball placement is going to be great, if you have a strong arm, if you physically check all the boxes when it comes to frame and speed and all that other stuff, I just think that the tinkering that needs to be done with the areas of concern I'd be again, I'd be willing to bet on that. This is all about bets. That's what the draft is. And if you just look at the entire resume of what he's bringing to the table, that's a bet that I'm going to be willing to make. That aggressiveness 100% appealed to Matt Nagy. So if you want to go to the coaching staff conversation, we, we could do that right now. And I went back to like the, the 2019 Bears, right? Where, um, they're feeling good about 2018. Nagy's feeling good about his play calls, all that. Before Bill Lazor comes, all, before all the changes happen. And all the deep shots, all the play calls that went right for Matt Nagy, but the throw, 
where everything is working well, where Taylor Gabriel is, is five steps behind the guy, but the throw is missed. There's multiple examples in the 2019 season of that. So enter Fields, and it's almost like you're, you're going back to those plays because that's the expectation now for Fields. Is You know, maybe Matt Nagy, like, I don't know where you are in this debate because um, I think it varies game by game, like the Trubisky... Nagy debate. Is he a bad play caller? Is it just a bad quarterback who can't hit, you know, the, those those deeper shots? But with Fields, we know he can hit those. We know we know he has the accuracy down the field. So his connection with Nagy. I'm interested to see where, where this goes because you look at 2019, you see those play calls go well, except for the throw. You almost wonder if that's what Nagy envisioned as he's selecting Justin Fields. I think that's a really good point. I mean, there's so many just deep over routes to Taylor Gabriel that I have in my mind that were just overthrows. And I think it's really tough to separate play caller from quarterback just completely. And I used to be of the opinion after the 2019 season, I think even, that Mitchell Trubisky just short-circuited Matt Nagy's brain and that it was really hard to call a cohesive offense and have a cohesive offense when you don't trust your quarterback. But then the offense was worse with Nick Foles last year. And Nick Foles isn't a good quarterback, but that's the guy they wanted to go out and get. They traded a fourth round pick for him. They gave him more than $20 million guaranteed. And he was worse than Mitchell Trubisky. They went back to Trubisky because that was their better chance at viable offense. And at a certain point, you think, all right, how many chances do they get? How many different guys do they need to cycle through here to prove that it's the talent that's the issue and with the right quarterback, it can all come together. And I'm still holding out hope that that's true. I'm still holding out hope that with Justin Fields, they can somehow find a path to cohesive offense with this coaching staff. But that doesn't mean I don't have doubts about how realistic that is when the body of work that we've seen so far is really unimpressive and underwhelming. So I'm a little bit torn. Like I want to buy into this idea that because Justin Fields can make all those throws, because he's the most talented quarterback that Matt Nagy will have worked with here, because this is the guy that Matt Nagy chose among several different options that they made an aggressive move to go get, maybe this time will be different. But I think if you're not harboring some doubt about that and some reservations about that, you're probably a little bit delusional. So this is a good segue to my next question because as as the we kind of put the draft in the rearview mirror, this weekend we're going to move ahead to rookie minicamp, get into hopefully OTAs, minicamp, whatever that all looks like this year. How good are the Bears? Because like that matters. These guys still have to win. Uh, And and you look at, okay, even just releasing Charles Leno and putting your faith in Tevin Jenkins, like the pick, doesn't mean they're better week one if he's your starting left tackle. Uh, You lost Kyle Fuller. You're going to have Andy Dalton out there, really? I mean, if that's the plan, how many games can they realistically win? I think that I'm a little skeptical about that right now. I think it's a totally fair point. And the Leno thing is frustrating to me just because I know Charles Leno isn't the best left tackle in the league. I know that there are significant questions about him, but having five functional starters along the offensive line is so important. All you need to do is just have five workable pieces and you can get to acceptable offensive line play. And now removing Leno from that equation, even if he is dead average, Paying $11 million to a dead average left tackle is okay if it's a part of a larger puzzle. And now, if you move Jenkins to left tackle, and what's the idea of who's going to play right tackle? Is it Borum? Is it Effetti? Do we have any sort of clarity on that at this point? I think it's going to be a competition between those two. So, okay. So, again, no clarity there. 
there's just so many questions now about how the other five pieces shake out. Even if you, whatever your criticisms of Charles Leno, if left to right, it was some combination of Leno, Whitehair, Daniels, Bars, and then Jenkins, or you put a Fetty at guard and there's just, you figure out the three interior spots, you can get to a solid, reliable offensive line there. Now, removing Leno from that equation, it has a cascading effect on the other spots. And that's why I'm just a little bit concerned because if I were thinking about where I was going to save money right now, if I were the Bears, the offensive line in front of my aggressive holds onto the ball a little bit rookie quarterback that is now the future of my franchise, that is not the first place I would have looked to cut costs. I would have done the exact opposite and done everything I could to set up a wall in front of that guy and give him every chance to succeed as a rookie. So I have questions about the offensive personnel, and that extends to the receiving court too. This is not a good or deep group. I Darnell Mooney is really exciting, and I'm very I'm looking forward to what he can do in year two. But outside of Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson, we got dice rolls here. Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird, dice rolls that are worth it. And when you're a team that's strapped for cash, I think the types of players I would bet on, explosion, a little bit down, you have a down the field presence, all of that kind of stuff. But there are still significant questions there. My hope is that the defense can be really good. And obviously last year, they were heading in the wrong direction. If you look at some of the second half numbers, and I want to say weighted DVOA, they were in the back half of the league. It was going the wrong way. My hope is that switching out Chuck Pagano for Sean Desai and allowing him to possibly employ and deploy that defensive personnel in smarter, more advanced ways that really put those guys in positions to succeed, we can see a lot from them. I'm not saying he's Brandon Staley, but if you look at the personnel the Bears have on defense, it's better than what the Rams had last year, even with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. You have fewer holes. I think if they can point some of those stars they have defensively in the right direction. If Eddie Jackson can look more like the player he was in 2018 than the guy he's looked like the last couple of years, things like that, this could be a top seven defense. And if it is, then if you get to average on offense, if you get to 18th in DVOA with some exciting moments, that's progress to me. That's a step in the right direction. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for if you look at all of the ingredients and how they might shake out. I think what you have with the Bears is... Multiple plans afoot here, if that makes sense to, to you guys. You have what you want to do with fields, but here you have this this Andy Dalton plan where you're just trying to tread water for, for almost a year, right? Like there's almost that plan for 2022 where, where you have your, your two rookie tackles getting some action this year, you know, kind of a trial by fire experience for Borum and, and Tevin Jenkins on the left and right side. We'll see where they fit best, but you're almost preparing yourself for 2022, where you have more cap room, too, in addition to that. Like, you're almost trying to, I don't want to say survive, because I, I do think the Bears, they're, they're a middle-of-the-pack team. I think they showed that last year. With awful quarterback play, they still managed to be a middle-of-the-pack 8-8 eight and eight team that, you know, snuck into the playoffs. That, that's where they are. Um, so, I, I think the the where their, their biggest conflict is, Robert, is how they handle the plan for this year, like like that survival plan this year, like being a competitive team this year while also keeping their future in mind. That 22 plan where you got now two rookie offensive linemen with experience. You have fields coming along. You have a lot of salary cap room where you can make significant changes. You could get rid of Robert Quinn, maybe add a different guy to your pass rush. 
those plans, how those those how all these different plans conflict. Like that's what I'm watching this year because we know, you know, that's the bigger picture. You know, this this focus on 2021 that that's one thing, but the bigger picture of what Fields is able to become maybe in a second season, I think that holds more to the Bears. I, I think that makes total sense, and that's kind of I wrote that a little bit on Friday, and that. Now, if you get to 2022 and you get more salary cap space and you can move on from some of these guys, you can reshape your team. And not only does this kind of press the reset button for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy potentially with their leeway with the franchise, it also presses the reset button in a financial way. I mean, Justin Fields is going to make what next year? Five million bucks? Something like that? Right now, this season, the Bears are allocating $11 million to Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. The idea that they're not going to have to pay that middle ground veteran quarterback money anymore is nice. I mean, that gives them a lot of wiggle room in a year where the cap is going to bounce back. And I think that will allow them to potentially remake the offensive line, all of that stuff. I just would have done everything I could to make sure Justin Fields survives this season without any scar tissue from the process, without having to worry about his protection. That's what I would want. Can, Can he escape this unscathed? And it's Potentially, even if it's Jenkins and Borum or Jenkins and Effetti and whoever are the tackles, maybe he still does. I think the best possible outcome here is something like what we saw with Justin Herbert last year, where he had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, but they were still functional enough and he still managed to get by unscathed. And now they had an offseason. They rebuilt the offensive line. They knew they had their guy. And let's get going. I think that I don't know if the I don't think the Bears are a Super Bowl contender now. So if Justin Fields can get through this season, and the development and the experience is a positive. If it's in the black here, and that's where we end up, then I think everything is fine and that you're right. I just worry that by shifting some of the pieces along the offensive line, the first part of that equation and him getting through this in a positive way and taking a step forward rather than starting to see ghosts and taking a lot of hits and all of that stuff, that's my only real concern. So you think well, they're going to... They're gonna, like, Sorry, Adam. Like, you think they're going to play him right away. I, I think they're going Andy Dalton for an undetermined amount of time. Well, and I was going to say, they can at least test out this offensive line situation with Dalton, which is a little bit, which is a little bit less uh, risky. You know, if Dalton goes down because it's shaky, that's that's the survival aspect to to this season, especially Mm -hmm. in the early going. It's always a push and pull of what's the best solution. What's the best formula is the experience you're going to get worth it even if it's in imperfect conditions would you rather not throw him out there if the conditions are questionable things like that i i'm i land typically on the experience thing i still think it's worth getting the reps and seeing what you have in the guy and getting that ball rolling for the most part i just think that the mahomes situation is rare and and i think that the bears are not in that situation and when the mahomes was in kansas city his rookie year in 2017, they finished fourth in offensive DVOA with Alex Smith. They were one of the best yeah. offenses in the NFL. And Andy Reid wasn't on borrowed time there. This is a situation where if the Bears are a below average offense and they're one and three, you think Matt Nagy can just sit there and wait for Justin Field, wait for Andy Dalton to get through this? I don't think that is the case. I just feel like there's going to be a lot more urgency for a guy like Justin Fields to give that offense a shot in the arm than there was in a place like Kansas City. I mean, when's the last time we saw a quarterback outside of Patrick Mahomes sit his rookie year if a guy like Aaron Rodgers wasn't in front of him? It just doesn't happen anymore, especially for a coaching staff in a front office that isn't exactly in the safest of places right now. See, I I would actually say this has given them more time. I think That's they're probably, probably true. I, I think they're probably safer than 
um, a lot of people believe. I, I think this has already give them has given them that I don't know extra year, extra two years potentially with, with Justin Fields, knowing that the continuity provided a young quarterback is extremely e- e- valuable. Here's one also. Here's the thing, and I don't know this to be the case, but I wonder if it's in Nagy's head. You think Nagy ever wonders if that 2017 playoff game would have gone differently if they had put Mahomes in earlier? Granted, they couldn't because Alex Smith was the best deep ball passer tied with Drew Brees and Russell Wilson that year. But it, I, that, that's a, it's a great point you brought up, Robert, because there's there are differences. It's, the, the blueprint's great. 2017, great blueprint in Kansas City. Just the differences are obvious. I mean, I, it's, it's unrealistic to think Andy Dalton's going to give you what Alex Smith gave you that season. And I'd make the case Justin Fields is more ready, more polished as a rookie to play than Patrick Mahomes was coming out of Texas Tech. I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes or is as good as Patrick Mahomes. I'm just talking about them, the rawness of coming out of college. This is a kid who's playing against Clemson and Alabama a couple months ago and at a very high level. So I just think there's differences. And I also wonder, like, I don't know, had they thrown Mahomes out there in the middle of the year? He's so great. Would they have actually gone farther in the playoffs that year? I think it's a reasonable question. I also think, Adam, you mentioned the free agent class next year and the money and everything else. Don't you think the guys might be more inclined to come play in Chicago if they saw Justin Fields play really well last year and there's a tinge of excitement about what this team looks like? And even a guy like Allen Robinson. If Justin Fields comes in and plays great, and they're especially, I think there are two considerations. One, what it looks like to the outside. I think the Chargers' success in free agency was at least partially driven by what Justin Herbert looked like last year. If you talk to guys that hit the market, the number one factor is money pretty much every single time on a second contract. But after that, quarterback playing quarterback stability is a big part of it. If the, Justin Fields can show flashes and make this a an attractive place to be for pass catchers, for offensive linemen, whatever. I think that's worth it. I also think there's a locker room to worry about. This is an aging roster. These guys are on the back end, most of them, the most important players on this team for the most part. You think they're going to like sitting there watching Andy Dalton struggle or Andy Dalton just be average if every single day in practice, Justin Fields looks better than Andy Dalton and is clearly more talented? I think there are just so many different things to consider here. And when you bring all of those considerations together, I think it's going to take a lot of fortitude for Matt Nagy to sit there and trot Andy Dalton out there every single <laughs> I agree. week. I agree. Well, he's not afraid to do you know crazy things if, if we know Matt Nagy a little bit. Well, look, if that's their plan, I, respect. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah, appreciate you know, that. I, I, but... I do want to be clear. Like, yes, I do think Justin Fields is going to play this year. Um, I don't think he's going to be out there week one. Um, maybe week five. I. I Speaking of the schedule that comes out on Wednesday, we got to find that bye week, guys. <laughs> you know, we know how teams uh, like that. I think the Herbert situation is a, is a bit unique because they tried to sit him behind Tyrod Taylor. Then you had that freak. What was it punctured lung or something like that? Like, yeah, it? but one half of Tyrod Taylor out there would have changed. Yeah, the I, know, anyway. I know, I know, I know. But that was their plan. And, and I do think, I like, think like, most they, teams do say that. Like we are, we want to sit the quarterback, yes. but then they change their mind once the season starts, and yeah. that's. Probably what's going to happen. <laughs> I, I think that it, it sounds great until you start watching it. And it sounds yes. great until you start watching Justin Fields drop 60-yard dimes in practice every single day. In in theory, I totally understand why you'd want to do it this way. But it's really, really hard to stick by it. There is a reason outside of top five offenses, 
the, with the Packers and the Chiefs recently that we do not see rookie quarterbacks drafted in the first round sit for very long. And maybe the 49ers are a different example this year if they keep Garoppolo because we've seen them be really good as currently constructed with Kyle Shanahan. We have not seen the Bears be very good offensively with this coaching staff and this personnel when they've cycled through the quarterbacks that they've cycled through. I I just think it's going to be really, really difficult to kind of hold the line here for Matt Nagy and the coaching staff. Yeah, I charted uh, recently all the uh, like the starting points for for these quarterbacks, at least the ones in the first round, the ones that have been taken in the first round over the past five years. And to me, it was unique to see like which quarterbacks they eventually replace. Some of it was in game, you know, your your Tom Savages of the world, yeah, your your case, your case Keenum's one half. Tyrat- yeah, 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 yeah. Ty, the Tyrod Taylor's look, and I don't think the the Chargers intentionally punctured his lung with a, a needle here, but you know, like eventually these guys just weren't good enough. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua, although that's a unique case because uh, I think Fitz, Fitzpatrick later said that he thought that the Dolphins always wanted to get him in or Tua in after the the bye week. Um, well, Fitzpatrick uh, was better. That's the funniest yeah, part about yeah, that. So, one. I mean, yeah, yeah. So there's like like. Just the, the, what I want, I'm hitting on here is there's, there's so many things I- I involved in this. Like it's the the benching of Eli Manning, you know, it's the benching of Joe Flacco. Like eventually, what time is right for these guys to to come in? Like if I had to put a projection on, on it, especially with the extra game this year, 17 games. Like I, I would say week six. Like sitting here on May 11th at 9:10 a.m. here in, in Chicago before rookie camp, mini camp even begins. I would say week six or week seven is when you see. Justin Fields, you know, you still have 10 games left in the year. Um, I do think he's going to play this year, but the patience will be tested. Like you said, because Andy Dalton has his limits. I think he's better than some of these guys that have started before, like guys who have started in place of these rookies or guys who wanted to be or, or, or placeholders. There's your dog, Robert. Like like th- these, these placeholders. He's probably a better placeholder than some of these other teams have, but eventually that patience is going to wear off and Justin Fields is going to take the field. I agree. And I think that the most important thing here, the one thing they can't lose sight of is how do we get Justin Fields to be the best quarterback possible? Yeah. Who cares about 2021? Who cares if you go six and 10 in 2021, as long as you serve his future and I guess the future of the franchise too. I think that going six and 10 and having him start eight games and having him look really good during those eight games, that is a set of circumstances that I'm totally fine with. The record and how it ends up doesn't really matter to me. I just want him to get some experience, him to look good, and him to set up the franchise well for the future, both in terms of his development and the types of players they can attract. If that outside of that, the record just doesn't matter to me this year. It is uh, kind of sad how excited I am to actually go to House Hall Friday and watch Justin Fields <laughs> throw a football to basically nobody in seven on sevens because there's not even going to be a full team out there. Um, but hey. It's uh you know there's some optimism here and and uh it it helps everybody involved because it was pretty it was pretty dark there for most of this offseason before this one uh, move flipped it around. Robert, any final thoughts here on uh, the Bears or how this how you think this will all play out? We appreciate your time today. I I think that you're on you're right on it. I mean it's just a different it's just a different environment. It's just a different climate. The mood is different. It's just, it's just so different than anything that they've done. I mean, even if Justin Fields doesn't work out, even if Justin Fields, the processing issues or whatever you want to call them or his methodical play and him holding out of the ball and everything else ends up becoming a fatal flaw. 
I'm not going to say a word about it. I'm not going to be like, oh, the Bears screwed this up again and da-da-da-da-da. This is worth doing. This, the, Even if the, the, the process here is so correct and is so spot on that the results matter less, this is just the exact type. I mean, I'm going to live and die with the results, but in the sense of how we're going to judge them, this was the right thing to do. This was the exact thing they needed to do, and it's just not a path that I ever imagined they could take. And I think that that's the exciting part about this is that with Andy Dalton, what was this year? What, what are you even trying to accomplish? What's the what are the goals? What does the trajectory look like? I just didn't know any of that. It just felt like they were in such a holding pattern with nowhere to go. And now I'm interested in every single moment, every single throw, every single report that you guys are going to have. It's just the interest and the excitement and the optimism and the looking toward the future and just seeing what's on the horizon, all of those things are fun again. No matter how it turns out, this team now matters to me and matters to this city and matters to the people who love it in a way it just couldn't have if they had continued on the path that they were on. And that's exciting to me. I'm sure it's exciting to you guys. It's just new life that has been breathed into this franchise, even if the potential goes unrealized. This version of what this team is, is just inherently more interesting and more exciting than it ever could have been otherwise. And you feel it in the streets. You yes. feel it in the conversations you have in, in the bars, if you've been able to, to I was going to say, you recently. hanging out in the streets? What, yeah, what like, you when you're just talking to people at T-ball games and peewee games, like, oh, okay. pe- people are asking you. Like, I didn't know T-ball games counted as the streets. <laughs> well, <you> gotta, <laughs> I guess I've been, well, I've been in the streets too then. Well, well you got to walk down the street to get to the T-ball park, don't you? Like the, 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 the field, like it's just, everybody's excited. I don't think anybody, like, with all due respect to Andy Dalton, I don't think anybody was looking forward to a, a full season of Andy Dalton. And now there's a different juice. There's a different ex- ex- excitement, like the, like you said, Robert. And there there were a segment of Bears fans, like speaking as a Chicagoan now, that were ready to turn this off. They were yeah. they were done probably for the 2021 season. This changes this. This changes the season. It changes the 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 the, the, re- or the, the next few years for their fandom. Like the selection of Justin Fields did that. We were, after we finished recording uh, on that Thursday night, we did it at the Residence Inn on Dearborn. And obviously the city is not totally opened up, but there's still some restaurants and bars open around there. And the Parlor Pizza in the River North was still open. They were just finishing serving food. And we went over there to eat because we hadn't all day. And we were sitting there at the bar ordering our pizza and looking at the TVs and talking. And there were some other people in there and just seeing it down on the crawl. And just seeing the cry on of Justin Fields to the Bears while sitting in a Chicago bar with some other people in there. It's just a feeling that I I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting it that night. I wasn't expecting to feel it in 2021. It's just this idea that maybe there's something better around the corner. It's It's been a decently long while since I've felt that way at the quarterback position in Chicago. It was always, well, maybe if he gets a little bit better, the defense will still be great. And they can have some version of this team that is title worthy, that is a championship caliber team. But even that window is small. That's a really hard needle to thread when you're banking on defense in 2021 and all that other stuff. If you have a quarterback, you can be viable every single year. If you get lucky in one or two other ways, you can get to the biggest stage. And that is just never a version of the Chicago Bears that have existed in my 33 years on this earth. 
And I am very excited about the potential of that being just the way we operate here. And I know that's a long way off. And I know there are a lot of questions and drafting a guy in the top 11 is not a guarantee that he will become that sort of player. We've seen so many guys fail to reach that, but even the specter of that, even the possibility of that, there's just no denying how fun that is. At Robert Mays on Twitter, you definitely should be listening to the football show. It's a great companion uh, to this podcast to get the rest of the league uh, and the thoughts on everything going on. I love that show. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Robert's outstanding Nordiques hat as well. My so. new office, too. Got a nice setup here. Is it What's a Nine Inch Nails poster behind you? Yeah, I think Nine Inch oh, Nails, yeah. right? It's my Nine Inch Nails poster. That's, um, and what's the other helmet? I, I see the Bears helmet. But Barrington football, baby. Yeah, I was going to oh. say, I knew what that was. Yeah. <laughs> I should know that as I sit here in a uh, high school football sweatshirt. But. I feel like having the high school football helmet is okay. I'm totally fine with it. Oh, I'm cool with it. Yeah. It's, you know, you got to, that's, I'm, I'm, you know. It's it's a nice little thing. That the fact that they gave us real ones when we left was very, very nice. So no, I, I still I've kept have mine for a while. I still have mine. Surprise possession. Yeah, we're yeah, uh, this this week we're doing a mailbag on the show, and then we have some really fun excite really fun stuff planned for May, the middle of May through the middle of July. I don't want to talk about it yet because I don't want to jinx it yet. But okay. I will we'll be announcing it soon, and I'm I think that people will really enjoy it. So if you guys have not checked out the football show, please come do it because it's going to be a fun couple months. May is daunting because there's nothing happening. At least you guys have rookie minicamps and stuff to talk about. For me, it's just there's not as much stuff. So the, that blank spot in the calendar is a little scary, but it's also very fun because you can do anything you want with it, and that's kind of the yep. mode that we're in right now. Yep, uh, you can get creative, So, and we know you will. Robert, thanks so much. We appreciate the time. Uh, well said with a lot of your stuff today, and I, I feel like a lot of Bears fans uh, feel the same optimism you're feeling right now. So thanks so much. Tepid optimism. That's what I'm going with. And that you know what? It's an improvement on where we were. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, All right, Robert. there he is. Robert Mays uh, from the Athletic Football Show. Really good stuff. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, Watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces 
maybe with a Hogan Johns pull or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. You know, see, the problem, though, is your football helmet says Notre Dame on it. <laughs> I got all the those the stickers on it for big plays least, I made. Hey. Hey, you, what you should have said is at least I have one. That's what you should <laughs> yes. have said. That would have been the good comeback. It's true. It's true. Uh, well, I mean, look, it's this is a weird this is a weird place to be in because it almost feels like we're being a little repetitive here on the podcast by covering so much Justin Fields, but I don't know that there's enough to cover. And and we've we wanted to get we're we're, we're I guess we're kind of on this Justin Fields tour, right? We want to get a lot of different perspectives from a lot of different people, and and Robert, I think Robert represents a lot of the fan base in you know how upset he was when he would come on this podcast last season, whether it was mid season. I think we had him on maybe at the end of the season too, um, and just sort of that flip that happened a couple Thursdays ago. The, for at least the vibe I always got from. Robert and you know other Bears fans in Chicago, like they, they were so close. You just felt like they were so close in 2018, and then it then there was this hard like smack you in the in the face, fall back to reality, right? Like oh no, like the same story that we know so well is unfolding. The quarterback position isn't working out, and that's for a variety of reasons. The head coach is being questioned. Um, you're, you're you're upset with certain moves by your general manager. Like it, it was just a similar story after feeling so close, so close in 2018. The narrative cha- has changed again. Like the, the bold selection, the process of getting Justin Fields changed that again. I think this. I, I should tease. I got a story coming up on Wednesday in the Athletic. Um, kind of a big one. Check it out uh, about this. About what the flip. No, yeah, it will. Yeah, about the selection fields. Okay, today's Tuesday, so if you're listening, uh, I mean you're listening on Wednesday, check out theathletic.com. Looking forward to it. Um, and a, a plug for myself, I guess, would be sort of the question I asked Robert there towards uh, somewhere in the middle. Um, how good are the Bears now? Because I hate to say there's like a little bit of a reality check, but uh, you you look at where the roster actually was at the end of the season, where it might be now. Yes, it could be better if all these young guys were. I mean, it's not to say that they shouldn't have gone with this youth, youth movement. They absolutely should have. They needed to um, for a number of different ways. I mean, eight, just age, salary cap purposes, a lot of different reasons. Um, but there are a lot of question marks still in house. Oh, man, pull, you're pulling out, out the wet blanket? Oh, yeah. Unless <laughs> you play Justin Fields right away. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He's, Which is not a guarantee. He's got either. the bucket of water, everybody out. He's, he's going to throw it on your face. That's ah, okay. Yeah, so maybe don't read that one. No, nah, you should go to check it out. NBCSportsChicago.com. Uh, working on it today, so I don't know if it'll be out. It, depending on when you listen to this, it might be out or not. But uh, anyway, a lot of good coverage still coming this week. The schedule comes out 
Wednesday night. We will have a podcast late Wednesday night, so it should be uh, if you're if you're up late, you might still be able to get it, uh, or it'll be available for you Thursday morning. Reaction to the schedule, and you know, it's we already know the opponents, but it's still fun to find out when they're playing which teams, and uh, you may be playing your Vegas trips and things like that. Oh, no, for for me, Adam, this, this is when everybody stops texting me. Yeah. Like like the, the text message I get in in the week or two leading up to the schedule release is intense. Do 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 you know when they're playing the Packers? Do you know when when the Vegas trip is? Are you going to Vegas? Is your wife going to Vegas? You know, what, well, hey, your, <laughs> look, Bears fans always travel, but if you know people are going to be vaccinated, hopefully the cities are going to be open back up. I, this year could be crazy in terms of the amount of Bears fans we see at road games. If that Vegas game happens to be later in the year where it's cold in Chicago. Justin Fields is on the field. Yeah. That's going to be a Bears home game. Yes. Not even close. Like I, I would put the like my prediction for attendance would be seventy five percent Bears fans in that stadium. Wow. Like that's how that's how excited they are to go to Vegas. I mean, look, I think it's going to be high even early in the season. Because it's just a fun trip. I mean, I've been to two Wisconsin Badger games out there. I mean, that's the trip. I mean, the, and, and those games were in September. It was 98 degrees at kickoff. At least this place has a roof. Because uh, playing over at Sam Boyd Stadium, ooh, that's hot. That's hot. You can't you can't play day games there. So, uh, but so you you throw in the nice new stadium, perhaps Justin Fields playing. Yeah, you're right. Seventy five percent. Is that the most anticipated game this year in terms of travel? They do play in L.A. again, right? Am I making that up? No. Yeah. yeah. The, Bear, the Bears traveled well there. L.A., Seattle. No, it, it, it's not even close. It's Las Vegas because yeah. it's, it's, it's Vegas, number one. It's a city that Bears fans have not gone to, and it's the possibility of escaping the winter, and it's the possibility of seeing Justin Fields. A lot. There's a lot there. Well, we will have it all covered for you uh, Wednesday night with the uh, with the schedule release podcast. I should also mention we have a show on NBC Sports Chicago too uh, that'll air. I think 10:30 after the White Sox game, whatever that uh, ends, we will have a schedule release show. Me, Olin Krutz, Alex Brown, Dave Wanstead. How about that? Wani Quad- quadruple attack to break down the schedule for you. I'm interested to hear what Olin has to say about there being a 17th game. Oh, he doesn't like it. I'm sure he doesn't, but we'll see. I just wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to hear what he has to say about Which it. Which you need to poke the bear a bit there. Well, yeah. It's not hard to do. <laughs> no, not with him. He's poking me all the time. Yeah. You got to be a little careful. Well, rightfully so. <laughs> well, you do it back. <laughs> Yeah. Just get them going on the right topic. That seventeenth yep. game, it's going to be grueling on these guys. It will be tough. I'm I'm still a little surprised. We could talk maybe more about this on Wednesday. I'm still a little bit surprised that they added the game without adding an extra bye week. I thought that that made a lot of sense, even from a financial standpoint. You added a whole extra week of game. I mean, you're already adding an extra week of games, but now you're adding two extra weeks of games. Extra week of Sunday night football, Monday night football, all that. More money, but get rid of the preseason, or at least two of the games, and go from there. Well, they are getting rid of one. When are we going to get the preseason schedule? Are they going to announce that at the same time? Usually you have that by now. Yeah, usually that comes out earlier. So, 
I don't know. All right, well, we'll have that all covered for you Wednesday. Appreciate Robert Mays jumping on the podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Johnsy on TheAthletic.com slash Johns. Please go subscribe if you're not already. And our YouTube channel, check it out. A lot of good stuff. Appreciate everybody that's been on there commenting. Uh, a lot of activity there in the last couple of weeks. And um, it's right there on YouTube. Go find the Hogan Johns YouTube channel, and a lot of these things will pop up automatically for you. If you'd like to consume your podcast that way, it's there for you. Obviousshirts.com for your T-shirts. Got some new stuff coming out there hopefully very soon that I, I am very excited about. I think Johnsy is too, and uh, we think you'll like that. So uh, a lot of good stuff out there. We appreciate all the support. As always, schedule comes out Wednesday. We'll talk to you then. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.